Hello and welcome to the Japan Archives, a podcast where we'll be delving into the histories and mythologies from Japan's long history. I'm your host, Thomas. And I'm your co-host, Heather. We'll also be reading a poem for you every week and giving a little history about the poet who wrote it. Ikimashou! So this is round two for this episode, Heather. This time, it'll work. It's gonna work. I know it. So anyway, guys, welcome back to the Japan Archives. We're on episode... 21. <gasps> episode 21. Very nice. So today, today might actually end up being a little bit different as we've already recorded this once. So I'm not gonna try and pretend that I don't know what you're gonna talk about. Um, <laughs> it's not a mystery anymore. You've had a bit of time to process the story last week when I told you, so maybe you'll come up with some stuff today, now that the craziness of the story has percolated through your brain. But anyway, for everyone else, this is our second recording. Uh, today, I wanted to go back into the mythology of Japan's history, um, back to the foundation of Japan, the country, and all the, the time of the gods, basically. So the plan is to continue on from the last mythological episode, which involved Amaterasu, the sun goddess, and her brother, Tsukiyomi, the moon god. Continuing on from there, Amaterasu had her falling out with her brother as he killed Ukemochi when she prepared a feast for him and him not liking how she produced the food. He killed her in anger, thus his sister banished him, thus creating the day and night cycle. So we're going to carry on from there, as you already know, Heather. So actually, I'll ask the question, do you remember the name of the god that's in the story today? It's Amaterasu and what, what was her other brother's name? Susano? Yeah, Susano or... The story we're going to continue on from is day and night have been separated and now we're going to go into a story involving the sun goddess Amaterasu and her second brother Susano, who is generally considered the god of the underworld, the god of Yomi. So we'll start the story along the lines of Susano has been born and he spends all his time raging and weeping and running around the earth down below in mourning in some regard and so his father is a nagi before he finally retires or ascends back to heaven he asks his child susano like what is wrong with you why are you doing this and he replies that he wishes to join his mother so izanami in the land of yomi who we know died after giving birth to the fire god now, it's interesting in some versions of the mythology in that Susanoo is born purely from Izanagi, from cleansing himself from the filth of Yomi. So technically, he doesn't actually have a mother. However, in most of these mythologies, he still states that his mother is Izanami, even though he has no ties to her whatsoever. After answering his father that he wishes to join his mother, his father then says... Well, his father basically banishes him and says, if this is how you feel, then leave this plane, leave the earth, and go and descend into Yomi. So Susanoo agrees to this, but before he leaves for the land of Yomi, he wants to see his sister one more time, who is now dwelling in heaven. So he decides to go up to heaven to see her one last time, to say his farewells, and to explain where he's actually going. Now his sister gets wind that he's going to shortly arrive, and fearing the worst, due to his bad nature while he was on earth, she prepares herself for the worst. 
and most of the stories say that she got her giant quiver which she put on her back and she brandished her bow ready to face her brother. So Susanoa finally arrives and she demands to know why he is here and he says that he comes with good intentions and he just wants to say goodbye to his sister before descending to the land of Yomi. However, his sister not quite believing his words demands that they make a pact. The pact being that they will both create children together and should Susanoo's children be daughters then it will prove that he has a pure heart and his intentions for being in heaven are pure and good. The first time we recorded this Heather was very worried about the idea of a brother and sister deity creating children together. However, unlike a lot of mythologies you read out there it's not they are not children of incest. What happens in these stories is Amaterasu takes Susunoo's sword and basically she breaks it into three pieces, she chews it in her mouth and she spits out the sword and these three chewed fragments become three new deities and in this version of the story that I'm telling right now the gods that are born well the deities that are born are three daughters of Susanoo thus proving that he has come to heaven with a pure heart. Now Susanoo also asks his sister for the jewels from her headdress and basically he does the same thing he takes the jewels he chews them in his mouth and he spits them out and from her jewels five sons are said to have been created. I'm not quite sure why he felt the need to carry out the same act that his sister did as obviously she didn't have to prove her purity of heart. However in um, well in every version of these mythologies both Susanoo and Amaterasu create gods from chewing each other's personal possessions. The three fragments of sword became three daughters yes. and then but the jewels became five sons. Yes. So did he chew five jewels or did it say the number of jewels that were chewed? So whereas the mythologies say that when she takes the sword she breaks it into three pieces before chewing it, the legend surrounding the jewels that he takes from her hair it basically says that he takes them all and chews them as one entity and then once he spits them out they form five individual deities. So these gods are created from one instance of the act of chewing whereas the three daughters of Susanoo are born from three separate incidents. Oh, okay. Oh, thank you. So sticking with this version of the mythology for the moment, he has proven his purity of heart and his good intentions for being here. So logically speaking, for the story to continue, he should then say his farewells and descend into Yomi. However, the story goes that he's so happy that he has proven his sister to have been wrong in a way, that she had a false idea about him and that he was actually there as a good deity. He decides to run amok in heaven and basically be a bit mischievous while he's there, which in a way does completely contradict the act of proving his worth. However, this is what happens. So he's running amok in heaven, he's destroying the rice fields, he's destroying the ditches between the fields which supplies them with the water, and ultimately this all comes to a head when his sister, she's said to have been in the sacred weaving hall uh, up in heaven with another goddess called Ameno Hattori Hime. Now her brother wanted to cause one last bit of mischief before he leaves. He decides to take a pied bull colt which is a kind of horse and it's said that he skins it backwards from its tail and then throws it into the weaving hall to scare his sister and the other goddess. One version of the story says that Ameno Hattori Hime, I'm shocked by what she has just seen, she accidentally kills herself by slamming the shuttle of her loom into her private parts, thus instantly killing her. And because of this, 
Amaterasu flees into the sacred rock cave of heaven, which basically causes sunlight to disappear from heaven and from the world below, causing everything to be turned into eternal darkness. Now there is another version of the myth in that where Ameno Hatorihime isn't mentioned and it's actually Amaterasu who she doesn't kill herself with the shuttle of the loom in the story, she merely injures herself, but that plus the fear she saw from the skinned horse, again, causes her to flee into the rock cave of heaven, thus creating eternal night in heaven and the world below. So the world's now in eternal darkness. It is, and that's why I wanted to leave that story for now. But I'll quickly delve into some of like the other versions of the myth, of this part of the myth that we talked about in our first recording. Obviously because this is mythology, you generally draw these stories from two old documents called the Kojiki and the Nihongi. Now whereas the Kojiki is written as one cohesive narrative, the Nihongi includes many sections throughout where it will give you the main story, but then it will also give you another version where it will say like, in one version of the events, this actually happens, or some people say that this actually happened instead. Which is quite interesting in that it adds to the myths and the lore, but it also does create a lot of contradiction and confusion at times. So there are other versions where Susanoo went up to heaven again to say goodbye to his sister but he also wanted to bring her a heavenly gift as a deity from earth actually gave him a very beautiful and sacred necklace. And so not only did he want to say goodbye, he wanted to give his sister such a beautiful gift before he said goodbye. There are other versions as well which say that when Susano had daughters, it proved that he was actually of ill intent instead of good intent, but all the events afterwards still happen the same way. And there are others as well in which Again, the alternate version where he's told if you have daughters then you are of ill intent, he is tricked in a way by his sister in that he's led to believe the male deities created from him chewing the beads were actually his children, so he thinks he is of pure of heart, but actually his sister then turns around and goes, these beads were actually mine, therefore even though you created them, they're actually my sons, therefore the sword which I created gods from are actually your daughters. Therefore, you thought you were of pure heart, but actually I'm proving you to be of ill intent. Which is quite interesting because I feel that that might be a way for the mythologists to get to the end point that they want. It's like, oh, we need him to be bad in this version, so we're going to trick him in a way to prove our point. Which I think is quite interesting, but it does add a lot to the confusion of these stories and in some of these stories as well it's interesting in that there will be new gods that are never that have never been mentioned before and again they're never mentioned again in the rest of the entire narrative oh so thomas uh, upon further reflection on the piebald cult i realized it was two words i don't know why i think i was thinking of it as one but cult is a young male horse so and piebald i think describes the markings of the horse okay so it's a very specific type of horse, not just a small horse. It has certain markings, but it also is a male horse. Piebald is, it has like the different spots, like it's big patches as opposed to small polka dots. It has, it's like white, maybe white and black or white and maybe brown as well. But it looks like, well, I'm gonna see white and black. 
to Thomas, just think if he, for the original, for the first version of the story you told me, that if he had not had good intentions, just think of how much worse it would have been rather than the, you know, eternal darkness, maybe the whole world could have been destroyed. Well, that's the thing about the mythologies that I don't quite understand. The whole section of the story where he's trying to prove that he's actually good and he's there with good intentions immediately is disproven. So either the sun goddess was completely wrong or they basically started writing the next section of the narrative and didn't think to keep it consistent with the events that had just happened. But then again, mythology does tend to do those things. However, it does seem very strange that he's proven to have been good Therefore, he destroys bits of heaven. It, it just seems very strange to me. The whole second half of the story is quite strange and a little graphic and not pleasant. So no, the whole thing. But just what would he have done if he hadn't his original intention hadn't been good? It could have been... Well, that's what I mean again as well. In the other versions where it's said that he his daughters prove he has ill intent in those versions of the story the events that follow directly after are completely the same as in the main why wouldn't they have kicked him out at that point though he's proven to be good he runs a mock in heaven he's proven to be bad he runs a mock in heaven i guess apparently in this the second version proven to be bad she didn't use her arrows like she'd originally intended <laughs> no in none of the versions does she actually fight her brother either maybe she perhaps should have done that <laughs> perhaps she should if she'd have injured him or scared him enough in some way he may have left heaven before causing her to flee into the rock cave and also killing amena hatori hime yeah depending on the version two people or two well not two people depending on the version you have the story still like i hear it and i but even hearing it this second time the second around time around i'm still okay all right all right i'm, I'm really intrigued about the eternal darkness and I, I don't know i'm not sure if i like the cliffhanger <laughs> i even i knew it was coming but still today i want to hear the rest of the story but you're leaving me on a cliffhanger i am so obviously the, the story i told today was kind of short but i thought it was a nice part to end on with the world descending into darkness so the next time we pick up this mythology we can talk about what the different gods and goddesses up in heaven actually do to convince the sun goddess to leave the rock cave once more so yeah that's my story again for the second time well thomas thank you so much for sharing more of the origin story even if you did leave me on a cliffhanger and everyone else on a cliffhanger it was definitely an interesting new addition to the story so far so thank you you're welcome so obviously i already know what's coming today um but please enlighten everyone tuning in today instead of a poem i have chosen to do a proverb okay so i'll go ahead and read the japanese first neko no temo karitai I'll read that one more time, just a little bit slower. Neko no te mo karitai. So Thomas, what do you remember about this proverb? Oh, uh, you want me to see if I remember? <laughs> Actually, I think I do. It's a proverb about a cat. Mm. And it was something along the lines of, your life has become so busy and you're so desperate for another helping hand that you ask a cat for help. Yeah. That, that's, okay. that's about right. So the translation is that you want to borrow a cat's paw. Now that's the short version. I've seen a little bit longer version as well. The longer version I've seen is Neko no temo karitai hodo izogashi. So the izogashi means, Thomas, what does izogashi mean? Busy. Yes, that's right. 
perfect kanteki. So there's two different versions I've seen. One is the short one, one with a little bit longer one. And again, you're right. Um, it means that you are so busy that you'll take help from anywhere, even from a cat. Is there any specific reason why a cat? Now, I'm not exactly sure why. Possibly, I've seen that possibly cats could be more seen as lazy since they just kind of lay around quite a bit and sleep a lot. Because you know, cats are more active at night. Uh, but most people during the day, cats, especially if you've seen like there's lots of cats around different parts of Japan, just kind of walking around, laying around. Um, cats being more active at night, or sometimes during the spring, we can hear them being active at night. I don't know if you've ever encountered. Countered that or not, Thomas, in one of your previous apartments, but no, I have not. Yeah, last spring at one of at my apartment, I heard a nocturnal cats. That was that was just fun and awkward. But that's possibly one origin, or it. You know, I need to check with the professor. If I find more information about that, I'll share it in the show notes. Or if someone else knows more about that saying, please share with us. And. Thomas, do you know where I first originally encountered this saying? In one of the schools you worked in. No, that's a really nice guess. No, I saw it on a T-shirt. Oh. I saw it on the on a T-shirt, and I really wanted that shirt, and I really should have gone back to buy it. And I forget where it is now, but I really wanted it. It was really cute. Yeah, you should have bought it when you saw it. Maybe you'll find it again one day. I hope so. If not, you know, I have I have the saying now, so I'm pretty happy with that. Well, thank you for the proverb. You're so welcome. Before we sign off, then you have. Any more questions for me and the ridiculous story I told today? Yeah. So what happens after the eternal darkness? You'll find out in a few weeks, won't you? When we go back into it. Then I'm good for today. Okay. All right then. All right then, guys. Thank you again for tuning in this week. Sorry, this is a few days late. We'll probably backdate the episode just so it's nice and consistent on your in your feeds, but. Yeah, if you've been wondering where this episode has been, like we posted up on our Twitter and Facebook, there was something hideously wrong with our previous audio. It was like there was a cat screaming in the background. So we've re-recorded again for you today. Well, Thomas, I did wear that cat shirt on Friday, so I did wear the cat shirt. So maybe the cat was really loud. You did. Maybe the cat shirt ruined it. But yeah. Anyway, thanks guys for sticking around while we sorted out the audio for the episode and re-recorded. And until next week, matane. If you've enjoyed the Japan Archives, please consider checking out historyofjapan.co.uk, a database we are making on Japanese history. You can also find the show notes for all our episodes here. If you're on Instagram, you can follow my account over at nexus underscore travels, that's N-E-X-U-S underscore travels. We also have a Facebook and Twitter page, which you can find at Japan Archives. If you're interested in little slices of life in Japan, be sure to check out my website over at heatheroveryonder.com. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, have anything you'd love to hear about, head on over to historyofjapan.co.uk and send us a message. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a rating and review over on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, guys. Until next time, bye. Matane.